0: Hello and welcome to the Wellspring Tabernacle podcast. Wellspring Tabernacle is a Bible-based Trinitarian Christian church in Marble, North Carolina. We seek to impact our community through preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in power and demonstration of the Spirit of God. Thank you for listening to today's episode and may God bless. You say, "Well, what are you talking about when you say that we have an identity
1: crisis and we don't know who we are?" How many times have we heard this phrase of "Oh, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. I am just a wretch. You know, oh, I'm a, I'm just an awful wretched person. I'm a sinner." That may be who you used to be. But it is not who you are anymore. If you have been redeemed and saved with the grace of God, you know what God calls you? You know what the Word of God calls you? The Bible says that we are a chosen generation and a royal priesthood. God does not save anyone by accident just to sit them on a shelf and say, sit there and look pretty. You know what happens to stuff that is sat on a shelf? It collects dust. Somebody comes by and knocks it off the shelf and it falls. And if you're lucky, it doesn't break. But most of the time, it's going to shatter into a million pieces. God saved us to be up and about his business and to do what he would have us to do. And I know that we've been talking about for the past few weeks about spiritual warfare and we kind of went off that for a little bit. But this morning I want to talk about something that has just that has more to do with basic Christian living than it does with anything else. And but if what but if we can get this one little part down. If we can get this one little area of Christian living down, of what it really means to be a Christian, if we can get this down, everything else that we struggle with and that we battle against will be so, so much easier. Get your Bible and turn to the fourth chapter of the book of James. I'm only going to read one verse. And this, this is probably, in my opinion, this is one of the greatest verses in all of the Bible. But James chapter 4.
0: <laughs>
1: but the Bible says, Submit yourself... Therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to dejection. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. But look, go back to verse 7. Submit yourselves to God. Now what does, when when we hear the word submit, what's the first thing that comes to our minds? All right, now don't be hyper-spiritual and think about the verse we just read. But ask yourself what really comes to mind. The first, when I hear the word submit, the first thing that comes to my mind, or it's it's really two terms, but it's defeat and deprivation. Defeat is a term we're all familiar with. All right, it's synonymous with losing, or more modernly, all right, since you know the young folks in here know what we're talking about, settling. Whether it's working a job we just hate, we hate to pay the bills, you know, or an unforeseen circumstance we can't find a way out of, a relationship that robs us of life and joy or a literal fight, there have been times in our lives and in, in situations where we feel utterly and totally defeated or feel that we have settled. You know, you hear it sometimes in relationships. A guy, I feel like I, you know... I feel like that's with Christina a lot of the time. You know that she settled for me when she could have done a whole lot better. Um, but that's but that's what that that's what they mean when they say, "Oh, look at her; she's settled," or "Look at him; he's settled." You know, or even or even in the workplace, "Oh, you you just settled for that job." Uh, that's what we think of when we think of this word submission. You know. Or we, you know, we hear people say things like, oh, they're just such a defeated person. They just walk around defeated all the time. So what does defeat do? It deprives us of joy, deprives us of freedom, and deprives us of contentment. And y'all, there's a word for that. It's called condemnation. Now what does the Bible say about condemnation? You go over to the book of Romans and you read there in the first verse... Of chapter 8. And it says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And everybody loves that part. Everybody, woo! yes, amen. No condemnation to those which are in Christ. Finish reading the verse. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So there is no condemnation in Christ as long as you have submitted yourself to God. As long as you are resisting the devil, there is no condemnation. But as soon as, you, as soon as you rebel against God, immediately condemnation falls on you. Many of us live our lives constantly asking where we've gone wrong, wondering how we ended up where we are. The answer to that question is we live our lives striving to do things on our own. The problem with doing this is recorded by the psalmist where he said there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. When we try to do things contrary to the way God wants us to do them, those things ultimately die and lead to death. I'm reminded of a quote from the first God's Not Dead movie which says sometimes the devil allows people to live a life free of trouble because he doesn't want them turning to God. Their sin is like a jail cell except it's all nice and comfy and there doesn't seem to be any reason to leave. The door's wide open until one day time runs out and the cell door slams shut and suddenly it's too late. What does this mean for you and I? It means we must live a life submitted to God. Like the text we already read, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve and mourn and weep. Let laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to dejection. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. So this immediately begs the question, what does submitting to God look like? You know, does does submitting to God mean that we have to live a certain way and act a certain way? Yes, absolutely. Yes, it does. See, this, is, and this is something we don't hear a lot about in churches today, is that when God saved you, that salvation brought with it A standard of living a standard of being so what does that what does that mean that it brought with it a standard and this is something we've lost in the church today especially those of us that believe that once we are saved we are always saved all right this this is the biggest problem those of us that believe that have is it has been painted that we believe that someone can be saved and then just live their lives however they want to and that is a damnable lie from the pit of hell if you believe that you can get born again and then live any kind of hellish way you want to friend you did not get saved you are as lost as last year's easter eggs you are not born again. If you believe that you can claim the name of Jesus Christ and claim salvation from Him, and then live your life any way you want to, why do you think God put one of the Ten Commandments? And I know in our Bibles it's it's translated as "You shall not take the Lord the name of the Lord your God in vain." That is, and I I believe now that that is a terrible translation of what that verse says. The Hebrew word there that's translated as "take." should be tr- more, more accurately re- is rendered as bear or take up or carry. So that verse is literally saying you shall not carry or bear up the name of the Lord your God in vain. How do we do that? When we say we belong to Christ and then live a life that defies uh-uh. Him and that rebels against what His Word says, we are bearing or carrying the name of God in vain. And that is sin. So when we got born again, if, if I were to if I were to take a poll of the churches in our area this morning and just and just ask the people in the church, all right, how do you know that you're saved? This is the, 10 times out of 10, the answer would be, oh, because I walked an aisle and I knelt at an altar and I made Jesus the Lord of my life. Let me just stomp that into the ground real quick, all right? Jesus is Lord of your life whether you make him Lord or not. Alright, the Bible says wherefore God has also highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every... I feel a little bit of help coming in here this morning, alright? He's given him a name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Whether you believe he's Lord or not does not change the fact that he is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. And that has never changed. But yet we have people that have the audacity... To say that it's because they walked an aisle or because they prayed a prayer or because they accepted Jesus into their hearts. Friend, let me tell you this this morning. If you are trusting in anything other than how do I know that I have, how do I know that I'm born again this morning? Let me answer that strictly for from my, from myself. Because I believe in the finished work of Christ on the cross. Because I look how do I know I'm saved? Because because of what he Amen. did Amen. he bore Amen. my sin in the cross he bore the nails that I deserved yes. he bore the crown of thorns that I deserved and he died yes. in my place Amen. and not only did he die in my place but three glorious days later Amen. he came up out of the grave Amen. victorious Amen. over death Amen. hell and the grave Amen. John wrote in Revelation said, Behold, I am he that was dead and am alive forevermore and have the keys of hell and of death. Alright, now you ask me why do I believe that we are eternally secure in Christ? Why do I believe once saved, always saved? Because of what Hebrews chapter 6 says. Hebrews 6 says, For it is impossible. It is impossible if after they were enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. If they shall fall away to renew them again afresh, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. And people will use those, those few verses in that chapter to say right there it is. If you fall away, if you fall away, you crucify Christ afresh and put him to, no, uh, uh-uh. uh, I don't have power enough to crucify him afresh. He'll never be crucified again, friend. He came to the cross one time, he did the work perfectly, he done it in full. It was when he died. Let me tell you this if Jesus, if, if we are not eternally secure in Christ, then the law of God was not satisfied the first time with the sacrifice that Jesus made. And are we saying that? No. When he died, how do we know that the law of God was satisfied and that the sacrifice he made was ultimate and the sacrifice he made was the premier end all sacrifice that no more in the blood of bullocks and goats and turtle doves would he be satisfied, but he said a body you prepared for me. In him dwelt all fullness of the Godhead bodily. When he died and that blood was applied to the mercy seat, the Bible says that the veil of the temple was ripped in half from the top to the bottom and then it made the it took the holies of holies out of a temple made with hands and put it back where it belonged in the presence of God that now anyone who speaks his name steps into his presence. Anyone who speaks the name of Jesus steps into the holies of holies and he is not going to die ever again you cannot put him to an open shame you can't crucify him afresh well what does that have to do with submission well to submit you got you got to be you got to submit to be born again so what we what do we see with submission What does submitting to God look like? Well, in a word, obedience. How do we obey God? And this is where people get messed up. All right, How do we obey God? How do we do what God would have us to do? How do we do what God tells us to do? It's very, very simple. You do what His Word says. If God's Word says to do it, then do it. If God's Word says not to do it, then don't do it. It's truly that simple. It really, really is. There is a delusion in the world and in the church today that submitting to God means you will have to give up everything quote-unquote fun in your life. This way of thinking shows us one thing, that the world and the church are filled with lost people. That's right. The Billy Graham Evangelical Association years ago, this was back in the 70s, Billy Graham came out with this statistic where he said that 95% of church-going people are lost and on their way to hell. And before I hear you say, "You oh, you can't say that, let me explain. Alright, when we are born again, when we are saved... Our desires become God's desires. The Bible says, "Behold, all old things are passed away, and everything becomes new." God makes us a new creature. We are a new creation in Christ. Well, you say, "Well, what about you? You don't have things that you struggle with?" Absolutely, yes, I do. And you know what I do each and every day when those struggles arise? All right, I'm going to tell. I'm going to tell something personal here. All right, early in my walk with God. I struggled, and young men, y'all listen to me and pay very, very close attention to me. All right, you hear me and you hear me well. When the devil comes knocking at your door with pornography, slam that door shut in his face. I struggled with that for years of my life. I struggled with it and I struggled with it and I struggled with it until finally, finally, with the help of God, I was able to kill that thing. Now does that mean the devil doesn't tempt me with it ever ever so often absolutely he does but you know what I do I crucify the flesh. When the flesh rises up I say no I'm not going to do this that is sin. My fulfillment is found in Christ. And in, the, and in the family and the life that He has given me, and I do not need what the devil has to offer. When that old carnal man lifts his head up, you grab him in a stranglehold and body slam him and say, not today.
0: Right. Amen. Amen. That's
1: right. Amen. And that's because God changes our desires. He changes our wants. He changes our likes and our dislikes. He does. He
0: does.
1: I tell you this: you want to see somebody, you want to see somebody that's really born again. Gets up, and, and, and I love, I love him to death. He is my friend. I'm on, and I'm going to pick on him. He's not here, and he and he may or may not listen to this later. I don't know, but Patrick O'Dell, I love that man. I love him. When and I I have spoke with people that live in Robbinsville, North Carolina, where he does. There's a place over there that sells um, uh, that sells bush hogs and things, like actual bush hog brand bush hogs. And those men over there know Patrick well. And I never will forget, one of them told me one time, he said, I can remember a time when everybody in this town, everybody in Graham County, hated to see Patrick coming or to hear his name. And I'm not telling you nothing Patrick wouldn't tell you himself. But the man turned around and he said, Now, I can't think of anybody in this community that would not fight you over him. Why was that? Because God yes, took amen. a dead sinner amen. and redeemed amen. him and changed his desires. That's right. This new life God gives us doesn't just save our soul. It changes everything about us, including what we want to do. If we've been given a resurrected life, why would we want to go back to those people and things that God saved us out of? When we do that, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that we're like a dog returning to its own vomit and a pig that was washed returning to wallow in the mire. I don't know about anybody else here this morning, but I'm not going back to the things that I used to enjoy. I'm not going back to things that used to bring me fulfillment. The world cannot offer me what Christ has already given me. And you say, well, what has He given you? He's given me beauty for ashes. He's given me the oil of joy for mourning. And He's given me the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. My, my, we have been saved to do good works. So what kind of good works can be accomplished when we link arms with our old sin? Nothing, not one thing. And I'm going to say something here that's a very, very strong statement. It's a very bold statement, but I want you to hear me, and you hear me well here this morning. I tried going back to my old way of life after God saved me, and I quickly found out that I didn't belong there. And I can tell you how fast it was. The lost people that were there with me—yes, they were—they were acquaintances, all right. They were people that I knew, but they looked at me. I never will—I never will forget one time. Never will forget. That after I got saved, I hadn't been preaching long. I had went through a bad breakup with a girl, and I and I instead of clinging to God, I ran and I went and I went back to my old ways. And I never will forget what a friend of mine said to me that he he saved now. God saved him. He's married, got a family. But back then he wasn't. And he looked at me. God used him. God used a lost person to speak truth into my life. He looked at me and he said, "Man, what are you doing here?" He said, "You don't belong here." And I said, "What?" And I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Man, you're different from the rest of us." He said, "You're a Christian, you're saved. You shouldn't be here. You've got no business here." When he said that, uh, you couldn't please. have cut me any yeah, deeper yes, if yes, you yes. had took a machete and chopped me in half. What did I do? I left. I went and got my, I told bye to I said bye to everybody. I went and got in my vehicle and I left. And just like Hezekiah did when God told him that he was going to die, I went to my house and I went to my altar and I wept bitterly and I yes, begged yes, God to yes. forgive me. Because listen to me, now yes. you listen closely. People who have been brought to life by the gospel can have no true fellowship with people who are dead in their sins. Too many times we try to have fellowship with those that are still lost. What fellowship does light have with darkness. You know what happens when light shines in darkness? Go to John 1 and read what it says. Alright, speaking of Jesus, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God. Alright, it says, all things that were made were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and that life was what? The light of men, and the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend it. We have the light of the world inside of us, and when we go into these dark places in the world, it's we just as well as to be wearing neon pants. The world sees and knows. And yet we try to live in rebellion to God, and wonder why our lives and our churches are so full of hell. Because we've got people that don't live in submission. We've got people that we've got people that are sitting in the Amen corner on Sunday morning that are that are that are honky tonking through the week. What business does godlessness have? In the life of a Christian. I'm not saying that we're going to live perfectly. We're going to sin. We're going to fall. We're going to fail. The difference is this. The difference is that when a child of God yes. sins. We immediately know it. And yes. we go to our father. And people say oh well what about people that's backslid?" Let me tell y'all something about backsliding. It is possible. Yes. But don't try to tell me that Joe Bob down the road that made a profession of faith 50 years ago and has lived like hell all of his life and has never darkened the door of a church since the since he went to Bible school one time when he was a kid. <coughs> one of these days Joe Bob's going to die and they're going to call some poor preacher like me, I've been in there. I've been in these place before. They're gonna call somebody to come and preach his funeral, and that and that preacher that don't know this person does not know him from Adam. knows nothing him. about him. knows nothing about any sort of a testimony in his life. He goes to the he goes, you know, to to friends and family, and he asks them, "Well, was he a Christian?" Well, I don't know. Don't have a clue. Well, then somebody'll remember. Oh, I remember when Joe Bob na- when when Joe Bob walked an aisle and when he prayed the sinner's prayer. Huh? That's blasphemous. That's right. That's
0: right. No. has got
1: to be some
0: fruit.
1: Yes. If you have been saved by the grace of God, there will be fruit of that in your life. There will be things happen in your life that could not happen outside of the grace of God. You should be able to
0: preach your own funeral. Your life.
1: life, That's exactly right. Your life should preach your own funeral. That's exactly right. God help us to live a life that is submitted to God. And guess what happens when we submit to God? Guess what happens? The Bible says, Humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time casting all your cares upon him for he careth for you. Stop carrying a load that you cannot bear. Stop trying to do things on your own that only God can help you with. That's like my friend that we requested prayer for earlier when I talked to him, I told him I said the reason that you're finding that this fight is not as hard this time is because you are finally doing it God's way. You're finally doing it the Bible way. Before then he had gone to rehab he had went to counselors. He had done this. He had done that. And I told him, I said, "Ain't no wonder it didn't work." I said, "Psychology can't counsel out what only God can that's draw right. out of a person." That's, that's a problem yeah. we've got in the church today. We're too busy trying to counsel out what can only be cast out. That's right, amen. That's it, amen. Demons having parties in the middle of God's house.
0: That's right,
1: that's right. And we think it's just all fine, well, and good see people in their flesh claiming to be under the influence of the Spirit, doing stuff that the Bible condemns as demonic. right. We've all seen it. We've all seen these things happen. And that comes from people that are not submitted to God that most likely aren't even saved when they go, go in, and especially those of us in charismatic churches, alright, I thank God that the gifts of the Spirit are alive and are well in this church, but you mark it down, and you mark it down right now. You let The, the devil's going to come, y'all. Oh, yeah. The devil's yeah. going to come, and when he does, and it's somebody that's jerking and flopping and flipping around and having what looks like an epileptic fit, you best believe that this man is going to be the first one to say the devil is a liar and wow. rebuke that in the name of Jesus because
0: it's in order
1: because what's going to happen is that strange fire will come in mm-hmm. and the next thing and that's what's happened with Pentecostal and charismatic churches today I remember boys when I was growing up if you went to, if you went to a Pentecostal church buddies There wasn't no ignorance or no foolishness went on. Them people had such a reverence for God and for the things of God that you didn't find any craziness or any stupidity going on. But in today's Pentecostal church, in today's charismatic church, you go in there... And they're and they're crawling around on the floor barking like dogs, and they're rolling around in the floors, and they're having and they're having fits and they're shaking their heads like they're at an ACDC concert. That is demonic That's and right. straight That's out right. of hell, and it's rebellion towards That's what right. God. See, we're it we're so susceptible to things that are fascinating. That Human is. beings love things that are fascinating. Yeah. I'm reminded of what of what happened when George Whitfield was preaching his many revivals. There was a there was a statesman that y'all might know his face is on the hundred dollar bill benjamin franklin he went to he he was uh, wasn't a christian by any stretch of the imagination all right don't really know what he was but he would go to he was going to whitfield's meetings and a newspaper reporter brought him caught him there one time and said mr franklin you're not a christian why are you here you're not a believer he said oh i'm not here because i believe in jesus he said i'm here because whitfield does all right, there are people that are fascinated by, by by just crazy things that happen. They're fascinated by the wildest, craziest things that you could imagine, all right? They love it, and they cling to it, and they run to it, and they chase it. That's why we've got people that have no depth and that have no root in a local church because they're too busy chasing this move and chasing that move, all right? They're gonna be, and then i tell you what's gonna happen is when the new wears off and when the excitement wears off, they're going to be like the seeds that fell among, fell on shallow ground. All right? They had no depth of root and they sprang up and the sun finally, the glory of God finally fell and scorched them and burned them up. That's right. they yeah. So That's right. why in the world would we allow crazy things like this to happen in God's house? I don't care, I'm gonna echo what a Church of God bishop said a few years ago, Tim Hill. He said, I don't care what manifestation you've got going on, I don't care what's happening I don't care what word somebody has you better be able to back it up yes. with the word of God nice. you cannot be more spiritual than you are scriptural yes. you can't have you can't be and you say oh well wait a minute now wait a minute now the Bible says that if everything had been written with the books of the world wouldn't be able to contain it you better back up and check yourself before you wreck yourself That's talking about Jesus and what He did while He was on this earth. If all had been written about Him, the books of the world wouldn't be able to contain it. We have everything we need in the New Testament that describes and prescribes what church services should look like. And if we are not in submission to God, we will let anything go. And the next thing you know, we'll just be another church on the side of the road that is filled with just our our select few that thinks we've got God in a box and that God can't do, that God can't do anything outside of our little four walls. That's where we will be and God forbid that that happen and as long as God has me here as a pastor of this church and I want y'all to hold me accountable to this as long as God has me here so help me it'll not take place at Raymond Church I'll not have wildfire. I'll not have strange fire. I want holy fire. I want authentic fire. I want that fire that fell on the day of Pentecost to fall and fill us all afresh each and every day. So th- I want you to examine yourself and look at your life. Look at those areas where you may or may not be in submission to God. Because I promise you there's more areas where we're not in submission to Him than there are in where we are. I can promise you that. But I want you to look at your life. I want you to examine yourself. Do what the Bible says. Examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Examine yourself to see whether you're doing what God would have you to do. Examine yourself. So as we come to a close, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. When we're in obedience to God and His Word, that's what submission is. That's what submission looks like. And if we can get this down if we can get submission down then everything else will come with a lot more ease than if we're not submitting let us pray Lord Jesus we're thankful for this day God thankful for the word that you've given us thankful Lord that you have given us the privilege of submitting to you God, I pray for each family represented here. I pray for each individual here, God, that You would show them those areas of their lives where they're not in submission. And God, that You would show them how to submit to You. God, I pray that You would move in family. God, that we would see children submitted to their parents, that we would see wives, submitted to their husbands and that we would see husbands loving their wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. God, that today would be the beginning of a new day. That God, we would go out from this place this evening and that we would look to You and only to You. That we would not look to experiences, that we would not look to things that we have drummed up in our minds, but God, that we would look to You and You alone. And Lord, that we would look to Your Word and find where we need to submit. God, help us to do those things that You would have us to do. Move in our hearts and in our lives. We want to thank You for it in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Wellspring Tabernacle Podcast. If you feel led to do so, please give us a review on the platform of your choice. And if you would like to reach out to us further, please email us at NC at gmail.com. Until next week, may God bless you.